Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Success Design with Beth Shankle Anderson. I, am, I uh, of course, am your host. I'm very excited for our guest today. She is um, a PhD. Her name is Alice Chan, Dr. Alice Chan. Uh, she's an inspirational, personal de- empowerment author, speaker, and guide. Her search for a meaningful life over the years led her to becoming an award-winning professor at Cornell University and a seasoned market research and business consultant. Following a near-fatal car accident in December of 2008, she reconnected to her true mission in life, which is to help others rediscover who they are and and love their lives. Her first book, Reach Your Dreams, Five Steps to, to Be a Conscious Creator in Your Life, is held as quote compelling and accurately as a compelling and accurately honest guide to creating an inspired and passionate life. Uh, so welcome, uh, Dr. Chan or, or Alice, as uh, <laughs> as I know you. Uh, welcome to the show. So good to be here, and I'd like to say hello to all the listeners. Well, I'm sure they appreciate that, and I'm sure they're going to appreciate all the uh, the wisdom you're going to bestow upon them today. Um, it sounds like you've led um, a very scary life in, in that you, you were in a near-fatal car accident that had to have, have really turned your thinking around as as far as what's important in life. And I've known, um, unfortunately, people that have had near-death experiences, and they, they don't come out of it the same. So... Um, yeah, it's one of those experiences that while going through it, uh, when I what I mean going through it is the recovery was really tough. But um, in the grand scheme of things, it was the biggest gift I could have given been given in my life because, as you um, as you alluded to, it really made me think about what's really important, and particularly in a case of someone that almost died and basically received a second lease on life. You know, I really became very, very deliberate about thinking about how I wanted to use that second lease on life. And most specifically, you know, I couldn't possibly be kept alive to continue marking time, which is what I was doing before mm-hmm. almost dying. Despite the fact that objectively, um, I was very successful. You know, who could who could argue that, you know, having, you know, research and teaching awards to her name and uh, right. putting a six-digit salary in a house in the San Francisco Bay Area is not success. But it wasn't feeling it wasn't filling my heart, and I certainly was not feeling like I was honoring my soul's mission for being here. Wow! So although you were leading a life that that most would would uh, would consider to be successful, you realized that you you could be doing more or fulfilling yourself even more with uh, with uh, the personal empowerment work that you that you do now. Yeah, that's because I one of the things that epiphanies I had, if you will, um, even before the accident, uh, that same year I had done a lot of serious soul-searching and really came to a crisis point in my life, if you will, that I thought if I had to continue doing what I was doing, I might as well be dead and just be careful what you wish for because you just may get it um, because that was what happened. What I realized was that there are just so many people uh, around the world um, who just, you know, they, they follow almost this production line of doing what they were supposed to do, get the education, you know, go for the careers and what have you. And I know a lot of really successful women who just feel like, okay, I've done all these things I'm supposed to do, but 
I just feel empty. I'm frustrated. You know, there's got to be more. How do I how do I make that happen? Every day, you know, when I look at the uh, stats on my website, um, the, the highest search term that led people to my website is on the phrase, the Google search phrase, don't know what I want. That just hmm. breaks my heart, you know? Hmm. That is interesting because that's not something I would even think about Googling. Um, but wow. And that yeah. and, your, and your site comes up as um as some as someone who can help them find what they want. I, yes. I um, and every day it it just it just boggles my mind and breaks my heart, like I said. Wow. Well let's jump into um some of the questions that um that well, you've prepared and I've looked over and think they're really great questions to um to ask. Um, you say that it's all in our perspective. If we aren't living the life we want to live, isn't that real? Well, first of all, let's talk about reality. Um, basically, there is no such thing as objective reality. Whatever mm-hmm. we consider real is basically our perceptions. I mean, let's just 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 level set at that. And um, you know, we can clearly go very philosophical about this question, but I just want to offer a couple of very practical tests that anyone can just apply to confirm that that's, you know, life is really all about perspective. Okay, first of all, if you have ever been the object of envy, someone envies you for anything, and you may not feel like that's something to be, to be uh, for someone to be jealous of, that, that in of itself is an evidence that it's a difference in perspective, yours and theirs. So what I, what I was saying earlier about my life, objectively speaking, you know, being a award-winning professor, who would not want that? Who would not consider that a success? But yet, to me, I felt dead inside. It's a perspective. You know, I judge that as not being something that, that fulfills me. And yet, you know, there are lots of people in the world who thought that that's a really great thing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, right. that's you know... Uh, one one litmus test that you can apply to your life and see that it really is about perspective. And another quick example that I can give, and you can, again, take some time to think about that, is a story that I heard last year um, from a, a minister who basically said, you know, there's someone who would be really fretting about having only $10,000 in their bank account because of the economy, and they're really stressed out about finances. And at the very same time, in the very same economy, there is someone, a family, who is grateful to have $200 at their disposal. So you could say, you know, there are objective facts about the economy, but yet the the two parties' experience of the same economy are drastically different. And that's because they bring different perspectives to looking at at their lives uh, and make different judgments and have different expectations about what life should be like and what their finances should be. So two quick examples. Wow. That is very true. I mean, it is all about your your perspective and how you perceive that $10,000 or that $200. Um, I mean, I'm sure the person with the $200 would think $10,000 was was a, a very healthy number to, to be settled on, whereas... Yeah, that's an outrageous fortune to some. Yeah, Wow. That's a that's a great example. Thank you. Um, and in your book, which is titled, I love the title, Reach Your Dreams, Five Steps to Be a Conscious Creator in Your Life. Um, I love the conscious creator um, phrase. 
Uh, you mentioned that seeing life as a labyrinth is a great first step to reframing how we look at life. Can you tell us more about that? Absolutely. It's my favorite part of the book. Um, REACH is basically an acronym for five different things that we do in order for us to become conscious of how we create and approach our lives since everything is about perspective. And so this whole notion of looking at life as a labyrinth is from the H of REACH, which is honor. It's honoring yourself and honoring your life. And so this whole idea of a labyrinth, in case, just a level set, in case um, you don't know what a labyrinth is, kind of think of a maze except that a labyrinth, uh, you can't really get lost. There is a starting point to the path that leads you to an end point, and usually in a labyrinth, the end point is in the middle. And the mm. path itself starts from the outer edge of that circle. It doesn't have to be a circle, but oftentimes a labyrinth is a circle. You start on the outer edge, and then the, the path that leads you to the center goal kind of you know, weaves around um, in a very weird pattern oftentimes. And depending on where you are on that path, sometimes you feel you literally feel like you're going backwards. And other times it shoots off to the side and go every which way. And uh, there are times when you, when you feel like you're actually getting close to the goal and then the path leads you away. And, and that's really the perspective that I would like everybody to kind of look at, look at their life with. Instead of focusing on where specifically you are in your life, and your expectations of what it ought to look like and what your next few steps ought to look like, think of it as the whole, your life as a whole. No matter how much you feel like you have gone off track or gone backwards or taken side steps away from where you think you ought to be, when you see your life as a labyrinth, you know that no matter where you are, no matter how lost you may feel at times, there, it is guaranteed that you reach where you need to go as the life that you're here to live. So that, that's a very powerful perspective that, you know, I, per, I personally see it that way. And every time I've given a talk about this, people's light bulbs should be going off. Mm-hmm. And then that's actually a second point that I want to mention why this perspective of looking at life as a labyrinth is valuable. Just as there are infinite possibilities of the pattern of a labyrinth that it can take on, each of our lives is just like that. But the reason why we judge ourselves as being, you know, off our, off our path or being a failure or, or you know, not really meeting our goals, whatever the judgments may be, it's because inadvertently we're comparing ourselves to some yardstick we have in our head, whether it's because we're socialized to believe our lives to look a certain way, or we're wedded to some definition of success that we're not meeting. So what I'm proposing to you in looking at your life as a labyrinth is that your pattern, your life pattern, doesn't need to look anything like the next person's. And when you can access that, you can take some pressure off of yourself to just continue to do what you love and trust that it will never lead you astray, even though it may seem that way. Wow, that's that's very powerful. Um, I really like that, and I hope the listeners got that as well. Um, life is a labyrinth. I've never heard that. I've interviewed so many people, um, and uh, I've never heard something. Um, I've never heard anything like that. So that's um, that's a really a really great um, view and and vision on life. Is you know no matter where you are, 
you know, you're you're on this circle, you're on this 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 labyrinth. And yes, um, yes, I like I said, I I look at it that that way myself when I slip into judgment or when I get hard on myself. You know, um, I I think that um, at the risk of overgeneralizing, I think a, a lot of women tend to be very hard on ourselves because you know we're especially during these these times, um, this this part of time and 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 life, we are supposed to be super women. We're supposed to be superheroes and do everything, and we slip into these judgments. And this is just the labyrinth. This is another way to help us zoom out and look at the big picture and not judge ourselves. Right, right. Reframing how we look, look at life. Exactly. Uh, also, in your book, you talk about the waiting time for our dreams to manifest bearing gifts for us. Can you tell us more about that? My pleasure. I would love to do that. So, um, again, I just want to start off with a very quick test that everybody could just do right now. Has there ever been a time when you were so sure that you you must have this thing or this person, for that matter, for you to be happy? And then mm-hmm. when you finally get it, you're thinking, what was I thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking, right? You know, we probably all have experience like that. Or another test, you wanted something and it doesn't come and it doesn't come and it doesn't come and you feel like you've done everything you're supposed to uh, and it doesn't manifest in your life. What is it? It's a a job, it's it's a house, it's a relationship, whatever it is. Right. Um, I've experienced all of that myself. And so I'll give you a very tangible example. Ten years ago, I was in my early 30s and at the time of my life and uh, having a lot of success, you know, by then I was already left my um, successful career as a Cornell professor and I was in my consulting life and rising up really fast. And by my early 30s, I was a director at the company that I was working for. And so I thought for sure by the time I, I turned 40, I'll be at least a vice president somewhere, if not higher. So, you know, I worked hard, and that was something I knew how to do. And also in the meantime, I had, you know, come into a lot of um, good perspectives about how to manage life and how to manifest exactly what you want. And I was getting really good at it. But that promotion and that salary that comes with it just kept eluding me year after year after year. And I thought, what is the problem here? Why am I not getting to this VP or higher level and the income that comes with it that that I know I deserve, right? So finally, uh, seven months before I turned 40, the, the VP position that I wanted came to me. I was interviewing at this company a couple of times in the, over the course of two years. And so finally, they came through with the offer that I wanted and the salary that I wanted. Except by then, I have done enough work on myself to realize I don't really want to sign up for a life of 60, 70-hour high-stress work because mm-hmm. I had gone past the time in my life when I sourced my value as a woman, as a person, from the kind of business card that I get to hand out. I value myself and my life enough to know that I want to make a good living but not kill myself for it. And so I turned down that job and went into self-employment. And so that is really a classic example of all the years that I kind of was beating myself up and and say, why didn't I, what am I missing here? When the the time that, that it took for what I thought I wanted to come was really the time for me to grow into a higher knowing about what actually makes me happy. 
Wow. <laughs> so you you turned down the uh, the position that you had been vying for in your in your thirties um, to go out on your own and and realizing that that was the better path for you. Yeah, not only that. So that was at the end of '09, and so 2010 was the first full year that I was self-employed in an objectively bad economy, the same recession that everybody's talking about. Uh-huh. 2010 ended up yielding my highest income earning year in my entire working career, and I worked a whole lot less than if I had accepted that DT position. Wow, you found your calling. <laughs> yes. So you also say that distractions are good for us. That seems somewhat counterintuitive, but I'm sure you'll explain to us why it's not. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, in case you know you haven't noticed the theme here, it's it's a lot of how we see things. You know, if we start looking at how we automatically look at things and then believe them, and when we challenge these these automatic assumptions, we realize that that's really a whole different perspective, right? So the whole thing about distractions is. You know, nothing that happens in our lives are accidents or coincidences or randomness. There's nothing random about lives. And so when we feel that we are distracted from what we think we need to do, there are really two things, one or two things going on. The first possibility is that what we think we ought to be doing and the goals that we set ourselves are actually no good for us. And that's why it's so easy for everything else under the sun to get our attention. You know, including that magazine that sits in the corner of our, of our of the room that we never look at, and when we when we're supposed to do something that we think we ought to do, that magazine looks really attractive, and we read it cover to cover, including the fine print of an ad that we never pay attention to, right? So we're going right. to like that. It, it's just the possibility that when you get distracted like that, just ask yourself: Is what is the is the goal that I'm avoiding? Is the, the task that I'm avoiding really? something I want to do, or is it just one of those shoulds that I should attend to, okay? We are should. So the other possibility if we're get, getting distracted from what it is that we think we ought to do, that is possibly that the goal we have set for ourselves is too far of a stretch from where we are, and the distractions are have help, helping to tap us on our shoulder to say, Maybe you're being a little too ambitious here. Could we break it down further so that it doesn't scare you so much that you are finding all kinds of excuses um, to not look at it and to not do it? So either way, distractions could tell us that we could let ourselves off the hook from not doing something that we thought we should do that's no good for us. We can identify something that aligns more fully with, with who we are and what we love to do and so that we don't need to fight those distractions. Mm-hmm. Or the other possibility that these distractions are taps on our shoulder to look at whether or not we are fighting off more than we can chew and that we can set more realistic goals for ourselves. Wow. So distractions can serve as sort of a warning or a or a, a red flag, like um, we're not we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing and because if you're doing what you love you're not gonna you're not gonna be distracted. Right. It's distractions are teachers to us, basically. Hmm. Good point. Great point. Well, fear, angst, and other ne- negative emotions are often the culprits keeping us stuck in an unsatisfying life. What do we do about them? Okay. So here's another con- counterintuitive set of recommendations for you. I'm all about you know challenging 
whatever assumptions and expectations we have. So as human beings, we we don't like to be dealing with emotions that we don't want, like fear and angst and and, and um, discouragement and things like that. And so our natural reaction to having these feelings would be to run away from them. We don't want to deal with them. It's uncomfortable. But what I'm going to say to everybody is, you actually want to do just the opposite. When you feel afraid, when you feel anxious, actually sit with those feelings because when you actually face them, um, you can learn something from them and that's the charge, the reason why they exist in your body, in your, in your, in your consciousness is because they want to get your attention somehow. So mm-hmm. I want to offer two suggestions for folks on what to do when you are in fear or in anger or some of those other emotions that you don't want. Number one is literally what I just said. Sit with it. Notice when you're afraid where that fear resides in your body. For some people, it may be your neck. For some people, it may be your back, like myself. And when my back tenses up, I would sit with it and just notice the part of my back that hurts the most. And then I would imagine that it's a crying baby that I, I need to comfort. And so I just give that part of my body love and allow that feeling to dissipate, and then a charge of that fear will go away. Try it for yourself. It really works, and uh, I use that in my coaching practice all the time. Mm-hmm. The other thing, if you're brave enough to do this, I highly, highly recommend that you do that. Give yourself some space and imagine it's a visualization exercise. Imagine that you're inviting your fear, let's say you're in fear, your fear to come and sit with you and tell you what it's trying to communicate to you. It may take a few rounds of that, but it can yield very powerful insights. So I'll actually share with you um, what I got last year when I did this exercise myself. So I invite a fear to come forth and talk to me, and here, here are some of the tidbits that fear has to say to me. When you're about to throw up, you know you're way out of your comfort zone, but that also means you're growing, stretching. Let me do what I'm here to do, to signal to you your growth. I don't intend to keep you from doing anything. That's your choice. I'm just a barometer. Use me for what I'm here to do. The other side of me is courage. So really profound stuff that, that my fear has to, has to share with me. And so by, by continuing to practice whenever I would fly into those emotions like fear or anxiety, um, mm-hmm. and I let them talk to me, they are also teachers. So they, mm-hmm. so instead of letting fear stop me, it's just telling me that I'm about to break through. So one, one thing that everybody can, can have experience, I'm sure, when we're talking about success, is unless you're stretching yourself, you're not reaching higher. And when you are stretching yourself, it's only natural that fear comes with it. So oh, sure. to, to conclude all that, don't be afraid of fear. Just let it do its thing. So fear is our teacher. Fear is our teacher. And, and same with the other negative emotions. You have a great quote um, at the bottom of your uh, your email from Henry David Thoreau. Uh, Go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Live the life you've imagined. I love that. Yeah, it's it's been my guiding principle for a lot of years, um, until this year. Uh, this year I have a different guiding principle. It's do it for love. It's my oh. mantra. Yeah. 
Okay, well, why don't you share with our listeners um, your book, your website, your upcoming workshop, all the things you have going on. Sure, I would love to. Uh, thank you for that. So um, for anyone who's interested in finding out more about my book or my work, uh, the, the place to go is my website, which is www.dralicechan.com. That's spelled D-R-A-L-I-C-E-C-H-A-N.com. And if you're interested in my book, you can click on the book tab, and there you can read a little bit more about it and order it right there if you want to. Um, the other thing I really want to mention is I'm very excited about uh, a program that is starting on February 7th. Uh, it's also a tab on my website. If you click on 30 Days to Your Best Life, it is a 30-day program that you can either take uh, on your own pace, uh, stretch out the 30 days as many days as you want, or if you like to get some support from me and be in community with like-minded others, there is a group coaching option. And we spread the 30 days out in five, uh, six weeks, actually. And um, I am actually there weekly on a call to help you uh, get through the practices and exercises and all that. And I limit the group coaching program to 20 people so that you actually do get support instead of one of those calls where you sit with 1,000 people. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to sign up uh, because you are a, a guest of that show, I will uh, offer you a discount. Uh, so just when you check out um, from my website, just enter Beth in the checkout code, and I'll give you a discount on either option. Okay, terrific. That sounds like a, a really great way to start off this new year. I know that we're in the last part of January, but we're still, um, you know, in, any time is a good time to make a difference. And it sounds like Absolutely. your workshop... I mean, it's this time of the year, people are thinking about New Year's resolutions, and we know how New Year's resolutions go. They typically don't work. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of reasons why they don't, and, and one of it is because um, the resolutions we set are often in isolation from the rest of our lives, and so those goals are set in vacuum. And also the other part is because they are often resolutions set because we thought we should. Again, the, the, the dread of should. Um, so what I do is where I actually help people uh, go through a whole process of really tuning into the highest and best vision for themselves, whether it's a personal life or their business, um, and um, take guided action from there. And we go through a lot of practices to release uh, blocks within ourselves that we don't even know we have blocking us from the success that we, we are really born to be. So it's really a great program. I'm really excited about it, and I hope to see some of you. Uh, yeah, well, it sounds terrific, and I hope um, all the listeners out there, um, I hope that you take advantage of Alice's offer. Um, I've really enjoyed speaking with you today, um, Alice. I think we've had a great conversation, and that you've imparted some great great advice and great wisdom um, to me and to, the, and to the audience. So thank you so oh, much. Oh, it's entirely my pleasure. It's entirely my pleasure. It, this is what I love, and I'm doing it for love. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I guess that wraps up this um, this episode of The Success Design. Uh, my special guest today was Dr. Alice Chan. And uh, be sure to visit her website and uh, and say hello and say that you listened to the show and that you, uh, that you uh, got a lot out of it. So um, 